You may be seated. So we, uh, we saw the passage there, John 18, that Mark read. You can turn there. We're continuing on in our Easter series. Um, it's not your typical Palm Sunday passage. Um, we're picking up where we left off last week as we prepare our hearts for, for Easter. Um, but uh, I appreciated those songs, worship team. And uh, so I think of the thing that always comes to mind for me for, for Palm Sunday is uh, one of the past ones my my middle boy luke was maybe two or something and around that age and uh and so they you know palm sunday at church and uh, and they must have heard the bible story in kids church and then came home and he was playing with the little duplos and i just overheard him and he i just heard him saying hosanna hosanna that means save us there's a fire and he had a little fireman and and uh so the duplo guys were crying hosanna so that uh because there was a fire apparently but uh he got that out of it hosanna means save us Yes, we're continuing on in our Easter series, and just this is uh, this preparing our hearts for this coming weekend, and uh, we're going to continue on, and we're kind of asking these questions. Last week it was, whom do you seek? And we looked at these different people, and they, what, their, how they, what they did with Jesus when they encountered Jesus, and you had, you had Judas who betrayed him, and, and temptation, we looked how temptation led to sin and, and took him way further than he ever thought it would. And then we had Peter who denied him, and he was zealous for the Lord. He had good intentions, you know, kind of the right end goal, you could say, but uh, was doing it on his own power, on his own might, you know, and and it kept on getting him off track and making mistakes because he wasn't listening to the Lord. He wasn't following in God's footsteps. And then, then of course, the religious leaders who just outright rejected him, they had a, a box that they wanted Jesus to fit in, their Messiah, and he didn't fit the mold, and so... And then he was threatening their power. He was telling them that they were doing things wrong, and they didn't like that. And instead of humbling themselves, they rejected. And, and this week, we're going to continue on in, in this Gospel of John, and we're going to look at another character, Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor. And uh, Pilate and his response, and that, that question that he asked Jesus at the end of the reading that Mark read, the, the what is truth? You know, and that's really going to be the question, and, and it's it's kind of almost ironic. We know we, earlier, a couple months ago, when we were looking in John 14, and then that well-known verse that, that Jesus said, I am the way, the life, and the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? He said, I am the truth. And so here's Pilate looking truth right in the eye, and he goes, what's truth? What is truth? And, uh, and, and that's, that's the question for us this morning. That's what we're really going to look into, is this, this, I, this question of when we come face-to-face with the truth of Jesus, how do we respond? Okay, and so that's what we're going to look at this morning. So we're picking up again in in verse 28. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas. So remember, he was arrested in the garden. He's taken to the high priest's house. And and so now they're leading him from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early in the morning, and they themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled but could eat the Passover. 
So that's just the Jewish law. You couldn't go into a Gentile's house or you'd be unclean for seven days. You wouldn't be able to go into the temple. These are the chief priests. Obviously, they need to be able to go into the temple for the Passover, the biggest festival of the year. So kind of picture the scene that's going on here. They bring Jesus early hour in the mornings. I picture kind of like, a, wake up, Pilate. You know, so Pilate gets out of bed. He might have been already up. But, you know, I mean, he gets out. What's going on? The only reason that Pilate would even be in Jerusalem, he didn't live there. He, he just he came because of Passover. So the whole job that Pilate had was to keep the peace. He used the Roman law, right? And so he's in Jerusalem to keep the peace because there's high tension. Everybody's coming to Jerusalem for the Passover. The Jews are under the authority of Rome. There's always little rebellious, you know, rebellions going on. And so it's high tension. And so Pilate's here in the city, and he gets woken up early in the morning, and here's the chief priests, the leaders of the Jews, right? And they've got this man they're bringing before him. So Pilate went outside to meet them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? And they answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. And so he's like, okay, what's this about? You know, what, what, what did he do? Here you are. This is pretty high profile for all the chief priests and the leaders to bring you early in the morning, knock on my door. So this must be pretty pretty big deal. What did he do? And I like what John records. John records, basically, John just goes right to the heart, right? He just goes right to what we all know, which is there's really nothing, right? There's no, there's no reason to have Jesus arrested in the middle of the night, questioned like he is brought before the governor. I mean, he's not an insurrectionist. He didn't start a riot, right? So there, it really isn't a real reason to have Jesus brought before Pilate at this point. But they, they, they're, so they put out this line, well, you know, we wouldn't have brought him if he didn't do something serious. Um, Luke, though, Luke would record that they accused him of three things. They accused him that Jesus was an insurrectionist, that he was trying to stir up trouble. Now, we know that's not true. Jesus did quite the opposite. He dispersed the crowds when they tried to, to make him king or something like that, right? He sent them away. He went away to a quiet place. And so that one's not true. They said that, and Luke records that they, they accused him of saying not to pay taxes to Caesar. Well, we know it's the, actually the exact opposite. Jesus, when they tried to trick Jesus, trap Jesus with that question, he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, give to God what is God. So two, two accusations that aren't true. And then the third one was that he claims to be a king. Now that one, there's some merit. We'll see that. that uh, but what kind of king is he? And so they, they come with this question. And, and so Pilate asks, and that's their response. We know the real reason is they were jealous, right? Verse 31, Pilate said to them, Well, then take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. And so this, we know that this Jewish chief priest, the religious leaders, they're part of the Sanhedrin. They had a lot of authority to judge issues within the Jewish people. They had been given a lot of authority. If you think in the beginning of Acts, you have Peter and John who go before the Sanhedrin. You know, they put them in, they have the authority to put them in jail, authority to have them beaten. So they had a lot of authority to judge and to hand out punishments. And so Pilate looks at this and he goes, look it, I know this guy's not starting a riot. It's pretty evident that, that there's no reason for you to bring him to me, the Roman governor. So just go deal with him yourself. Go whatever, put him in jail, beat him. I don't care. That's Pilate's attitude, right? So he's just like, get out of here, kind of an attitude. But then the Jewish leaders reveal their real, what their, the real state of their hearts, their real motivation. They said to him, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. It wasn't, they weren't allowed to assign a death, death sentence. And this was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Because if you're going to bring him to a Roman governor and the governor's going to, going to um, give a death sentence, 
it's most likely going to be by crucifixion. That was the main death sentence that the Romans would hand out to anybody who wasn't a Roman citizen. It was so horrific, so terrible, that they wouldn't, it was illegal to have a Roman citizen crucified. But all the other nations that they oversaw, that was the standard. And, and, and Pilate had probably ordered the crucifixion of hundreds by this point. This was nothing to him. Okay? And so the Jews reveal their hand. They go, well, we think he deserves the death sentence. <clears throat> and so now Pilate's in a bit of a in a bit of a pickle here. He, he would rather just dismiss the case. I mean, he doesn't actually care about justice. He doesn't, he doesn't care who Jesus is. Pilate, it's pretty evident. Basically, Pilate's just like, I, I just want this thing to go away. I, he cares about himself, right? He's, got, he's the governor. His job, as long as Caesar doesn't find out about a riot or something like that, he gets to keep his little area of the world. He's in charge. He's rich. He's powerful. He doesn't report to anybody but Caesar who's on the other side of the Mediterranean Sea, you know. So basically, his sole concern for Pilate is, hey, I just got to keep the riot down, right? He can see that Jesus isn't actually an insurrectionist, isn't starting anything terrible, but he's in a bit of a bind here. Here, he can see that these Jewish leaders, they've really got something against this Jesus. This is a, they, they really, for him to rest them in the middle of the night, bring it to him first thing in the morning, and then right away demand the death sentence, now Pilate's got to deal with it. He just tries to, he just fluffs it off. He doesn't know what they're going to do. Maybe they'll start riots, mobs. He doesn't know. So now he's got to deal with this situation, even though it's pretty evident Pilate could care less who Jesus is. So Pilate obliges and takes him, takes him into his headquarters. So Pilate entered his headquarters, verse 33, again, and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Kind of the one, one, the one accusation that had a little bit of, of merit, a little bit of, of evidence behind it. Then Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? What's that question about? I like Jesus. Jesus is basically, he's getting right to the heart of Pilate. He's going, okay, Pilate, do you actually care about the answer? You're asking me if, you're, if I'm a king. Do you actually care what the answer is, or are you just looking to get this situation over with? Because if you, if you really care if I'm a king, and you really want to know the truth, the answer to that question, I'm going to share it with you, and we'll see that he does. Um, or you just, you just want to be able to, to figure it out according to the law and get it over with. Well, it's pretty evident what Pilate feels. Pilate answered, verse 35, Am I a Jew? That would have been an insult. That wasn't a, you know, Romans thought they were up here and everybody else was down there. So, <laughs> am I one of you down here? Your own nation, the chief priests, and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. So what have you done? Basically, no. <laughs> I don't care. I'm not looking, to, I don't care who you are, is what Pilate's saying. I don't care if you're, you know what I mean? It's clear you're not some big king. You didn't ride in with an army trying to take over the city. So I don't got to worry about, you know, you're not some rival army or something, right? You can call yourself, you can call yourself whatever you want. Then not, I don't care, right? Problem I'm in is that your chief priest brought you to me and made you my problem. And so now, so what, what's, what's going on? Why did they bring you to me? That's basically what he's saying. Again, Pilate, Jesus here, throughout the Gospel of John, it's really interesting. You can go look Every time, it's, it's, if you just kind of ask your, look at the questions he asks, whenever there's a dialogue from the whole Gospel of John, he always goes right to the heart of the hearer. Every time. 
And it's always, you put yourself in their shoes, it goes right to the heart. And that's what Pilate's doing here, or Jesus is doing here. He's trying to get, he cares about Pilate. You know, he wants Pilate to know the truth. So far, Pilate's not willing. Basically, I don't need your religion. I'm doing just fine. <laughs> I just thought how much of our society is very similar, right? That uh, Pilate's rich, he's powerful, he's living the good life in that day, right? And, and he's maybe heard about, I wonder if he's heard of, I'm sure he's heard about Jesus. Big crowds were coming. He's probably heard the name. He might have heard that there's some, some teacher, rabbi from, from Galilee that's been doing, people are claiming he's doing miracles. He might have heard of that stuff right? But doesn't really care. He's got, his life is good. I don't need to know. And uh, so much of, I think, our world is that way too. It's not that I've said before, it's not that they don't know Jesus or know about Jesus or know that Jesus was a real person. It's not that. It's that our society doesn't care, right? It's, uh, It's apathy, you know, if they wanted to know more about Jesus, there's a church in almost every town, you know, Google it, but they don't care. And so Jesus answered him. So Pilate's like, look it, this is, they've made it my problem. And uh, these chief priests, so what have you done? And Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. So Jesus again responds right to Pilate's heart. And he goes, you know, like, Pilate, you know. You know that what they're accusing me of, there's, there's no foundation for that. It would have been obvious. I would have rode in with an army. I would have been trying to get people to overthrow you. None of that has happened. That's clear, Right? And so you're, you want to know what they're so upset about, right? What kind of king they're saying I am? Well, my kingdom's not of this world. And, and he's trying to get Pilate to break out of that box that Pilate lives in, that focus just on the here and now. And what Pilate, all his care and concern is about his job, you know, his life as a governor, the good life that he has. That's what Pilate cares about. And Jesus is going, hey, there's a greater world. There's something more. There's a bigger kingdom, and that's what I'm here about. Carries on. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Right back to just focusing in on the worldly thing, right? Just focusing on this world. Kind of completely dismisses everything Jesus said about being of another place. There's something more. But Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In other words, sure, you can call me a king. But listen to this, Pilate. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, What is the truth? What is truth? What is truth? Pilate's still focused on the worldly thing, like so much of our world, right? He's, got, he's, he's getting up every day. He's got his great job. He's got a good life. He's a powerful governor. He's rich. And Jesus is, is trying to get him to, to open up his mind. You know that there's something more, Pilate. There's, there's a greater truth. I came. You, you're still focused on whether I'm a king here or not, and you've got to deal with that problem. But Pilate, there's a greater kingdom. 
I came to, to, if you want to know the real truth, the truth that there is a God who created the world. You know, if you, the truth that that God wants a relationship with you, the truth that there is something after death, the truth that there is right and wrong and sin and judgment, right? That truth, that's what I came to talk about. And if you really care about the, 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 the most important things in this life, the biggest questions in the Christian life, you find out through me. That's what Jesus is saying. I've come into to the world to bear witness to the truth. But Pilate didn't want to hear it. That, that line that we looked at, that what is truth, is basically, um, yeah, what is that? And that's what we hear so much, you know, that, that when, when someone comes and they encounter the truth, and we, we have facts, there's, there's historical facts that we know about Jesus that everybody accepts, whether you're a Christian or not. You know, every historian, every professor, religious or not, would, would knows that, that there was a man named Jesus that lived in the first century in Israel, that he was a rabbi and he had followers, that he taught, they claimed, his followers claimed he did miracles, that he was arrested and tried and, and killed by the Romans. That is historical fact, is Julius Caesar or Alexander the Great or pick your historical figure. Everybody agrees on that. And they agree too, Jewish historians, Roman historians record that Jesus' followers claimed he rose from the dead that he claimed he was the son of God and they were willing to, to give their lives to be martyrs because they so believed that to be the truth. And those are just facts. Those are the facts that present us, that we're presented with today. Everybody, especially in North America where, where we hear those things, most people would have a general knowledge of who Jesus is. And what do we do with those facts? That's the truth. The truth is standing right before Pilate. And, and he has to deal with this truth. He, what am I going to deal with, do with it? And for us, for every single person here that has ever heard the name of Jesus and knows any of those basic facts, they have to deal with it somehow. What are you going to do with those facts of what Jesus did and claims, the claims that he made of who he is? We all have to, dis- to determine how we respond to Jesus. And so we know this is, this is really what, you know, to become a Christian is, is when we choose to then seek. It, it's, it's a response to surrender to Jesus, right? And when we, we acknowledge those facts of, of who he is and what he did, then to become a Christian means that you surrender to him, that he becomes your Lord. This, this verse from Luke 9, 23, 24 This is Jesus to his disciples. Then he said to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. That's what it means to become a Christian right there. You've been presented with the facts of who Jesus is. You believe them. You believe those things to be true. But then you need to to surrender your life. Because the fact about Jesus is that he's Lord, he's Master, Right? He's the one that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess someday. And so it, it, becoming a Christian is a surrender of your life to him. It's not just calling yourself a Christian, but truly believing it and surrendering your life.
And so what do we do with those facts? We can ignore them or try and brush them off like Pilate did. We can choose to reject them like the religious leaders did. Or we can surrender to them and who Jesus is. And then there's, even for us as Christians, if you're here and you're a Christian, you've done that, you've surrendered your life to God, you know that he's in charge, he's your Lord, and you're looking to, to follow him, you've made him the master of your life. For us, that we need to, as Christians, we know this Christian life, we need to deny ourselves daily, that every day we're presented with truth. And we need to submit to whatever truth God is showing you from his word, And so just, just for us as Christians too, we're in much the same. What do we do when God, when we're presented with, we encounter the truth of God and what he's trying to say to us? Maybe it's a, like we talked about last week, maybe it's a temptation or a sin that he's asking you to deal with, right? Maybe it's a, maybe it's a character thing, something that he's been trying to get you to work on, one of those fruit of the spirit. Maybe it's something he's calling you to do, an act of faith, a change, something he's asking you to step into. Whatever the truth is, what we're going to look at for the rest of this morning is what do we do when we encounter a truth? If you're not a Christian, it's the truth of who Jesus is. If you are a Christian, I want you to just to think of what it is that God's, the truth that he's put in your life right now. And so we're going to see several ways that Pilate tries to deal with this truth. So the first one here, Pilate said to him, verse 38, what is truth? And after he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a robber. Um, Some of your translations might say insurrectionist. Um, I think it's Luke that records that he was a robber and a murderer. And so... first thing that Pilate does when he encounters the truth, and this is the same for us, is he tries to bargain, right? First thing he does is he tries to bargain. He, he, He proclaims that Jesus is innocent. So that's the truth that Pilate knows. He knows Jesus is innocent. But what's he going to do about it? The first thing he does, he tries to bargain. And he looks at the situation and he sees, he knows the real heart of the religious leaders, that they're just jealous and they come and so they're trying to get Pilate, put him in a, in a spot where he has to rule that Jesus because somehow convinced Pilate he's an insurrectionist. Pilate can see right through it. So what's Pilate do for his bargain? He goes, okay, I'll go get a, an actual insurrectionist. Someone everybody knows, you know, he got caught in a riot. He's killed. He's through the, like, there's no doubt. Everybody knows. He would say himself, Barabbas, yes, I'm a rebel. I'm a terrorist in that day, Okay. That's what Barabbas is. And so if you're so concerned, religious leaders, about insurrection in Jerusalem, well then, you know what? Here, I'll, I'll give you a choice. Who are you going to, if you're so concerned about insurrection, who would you release, Jesus or Barabbas? You know, who's more of a threat to the peace if you're so concerned about it? Obviously, the answer is release Jesus. He's way less of a threat. Barabbas would probably say himself, yeah, I'll go right back out and do it again. <laughs> you know? And so it's obvious it should be Jesus. And so Pilate's trying to find this bargain, thinking like, okay, I'm going to put them in a bind. They're trying to put me in a bind. I'm going to put the religious leaders in a bind. And they'll have to make the obvious choice. But he overlooks the hatred that the religious leaders had. Because really, 
This shows that the religious leaders don't actually care about justice. They don't actually care about insurrection, right? Because really, to the religious leaders, what do they care about Barabbas? Yeah, he'll probably go out and start another riot and try and get some people, but yeah, the Romans will get him again and yeah, he'll probably get in a fight with a soldier and get killed anyways. You know, that's probably what they're thinking. They don't care. But Jesus, Jesus is a threat. Jesus is the one that's, that's coming in power and authority and, and telling them that they're, that they're blind guides and, you know. And so Jesus is a threat to their power. And so they cry out, release Barabbas. So I just wonder, do we ever bargain with God? You know? I think of that, uh, if you're not a Christian, do you ever, what's our bargain? You know? We know that, that if you really acknowledge and face the truth of who Jesus is, that means a full surrender of your life. Right? That's hard. I mean, you've got to give up your whole life. You've got to take up your cross. Follow him. Well, God, I, I'll be a good person. I'll try really hard. I'm going to be really good. I'm going to, you know. You know what? I might even go to church. At least on Easter and Christmas for sure. I'll promise you that one. But I'll go to church. I'll, you know. I want to surrender my whole life. I don't want to give up control. But I'll do that. I can, uh, you know, I might even give myself the label. I'll join the club. You know, call myself a Christian, figure out what you do and don't do, you know. It's bargaining. Or if you're a Christian, you've you've surrendered your life, but we know that this life is hard. And whatever it is that God's, the truth he's put in front of you and he's asking you to obey, you know, and it's hard and he's asking you to surrender something, some part of your life and do something. Yeah, well, God, don't forget, I am serve over here. You know, I'm already pretty busy. You know, I'm already doing all this over here. You know, I already give that. You can find some good, uh, some good verses to back it up. And... Or we'll surrender to a point, not until it hurts, but, you know, yeah, God, I'll give you this much, you know. One way we do what we do when we encounter the truth is we try and bargain. But that doesn't work. Didn't work for Pilate. So Pilate tries something else. Chapter 19, starting at verse 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. And they came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck them with their, with their hands. Some translations say fists. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So again, Pilate knows the truth. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Tried bargaining, that didn't work. So now he's going to try covering the truth up, making it look different, and then mocking it. Right? And this is so much of our society. This is what they do. Again, we have those facts, historical facts of Jesus. You know, there's, 
Those are the facts you have to deal with. There's, only, there's really no other explanation for, but that he actually rose from the dead, if you look at it all. You've got to deal with that somehow. Those are the facts. What do we do with that? What's our society do? We, we cover it up. We twist it a little bit. We mock it. You really believe that there's a God you can't see? Religion's just a crutch. I don't need that. I don't need God. I believe in science. I've got it all figured out for myself. I don't need to believe those things. How do you know the Bible's true? It's full of contradictions. All these questions that get thrown out in these are these statements. But just like Pilate, when he said, what is truth? He had no actual desire to find out the answer to that question. He wasn't going to make any effort to find out. Can you actually know a God that you can't see? You know, how do you know the Bible's true? They don't actually want to know the answers. Are they go seeking? That's just a cover. And when it gets too uncomfortable, we just mock it. It's always been one of the evidences for Christianity that what other religion is mocked in media like, like Christianity is, right? No, no, one, no one mocks Santa Claus or you know, Tooth Fairy, anything like that. And yet Jesus' name used in vain and, and the mockery that it gets is because there's truth there that's uncomfortable. can't change what's true um, whether we mock it dress it up as different twist it it doesn't change the truth of who jesus is it doesn't change the fact that there really is a god who created everything that someday everyone will be before him that there is consequences for sin none of that changes no matter how you mock it and so as christians we need to be really careful as well that we don't um, twist those things because it is uncomfortable we twist them or hide them or make them sound different than the, than the truth that they are. When the chief priests and the officers saw, saw him, Jesus, they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. And so the, the chief priests are still, you know, even though he's, I think Pilate thought, you know, if I dress him up, he's seen right through, he knows what the real motivation of the chief priests are. It's that they're threatened by his power. And he's like, well, maybe if I dress him up and beat him up and then present him to the people is, you know, obviously powerless. And he thinks is powerless, but, you know, this, this picture of he's lost all his authority and power and there he is beaten up and being mocked. Maybe the people will disperse and that'll satisfy the religious leaders. But again, their hate is so deep that they cry out, crucify him. And Pilate's frustrated at this point. Take him yourselves and crucify him. He knows that's not possible. They don't have the authority to do that. But he's pushing back. And he's in this, you can feel the tension for Pilate, right? He's, he's in this spot where the world is, the world is pressure is coming in on him. And, uh, and, but he knows what's true. He said, I find no guilt in him. 
So Pilate knows what's true. He knows Jesus is innocent. He knows that he should be let free. But the pressure is just from the world is just pressure, pressure, pressure. And, and if he was to acknowledge that, and actually he, he has the authority to, to actually rule. He's free. That's it. That's my judgment. Leave, right? But it could cost him his job, you know. Might start a riot. Caesar finds out. He'd be out, killed. You know, who knows? He's in this difficult place. Does he cave to the pressure and go with the flow, or does he stand for what's true and right? And then the Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. So now this gets to the heart. This is where we see a shift in Pilate. Pilate had sentenced hundreds, maybe even thousands of people to crucifixion by this point, right? He's not afraid of any of them. And yet there's something with Jesus. And when the chief priests finally, they came to him with these accusations to try and, you know, put Pilate in a bind according to Roman law. Well, he claims this and he's saying don't pay, you know, trying to get Pilate to... But finally, the chief priests just say what the real issue is. No, we want him killed because he claims to be God. Now, that scares Pilate a little bit because there's something in Jesus. He doesn't call him crazy. He doesn't, he's afraid because there's something with Jesus that, that, that shows that. He knows there's something more to this man. And for us, we look at this, you know, we talked about those facts about Jesus and everybody has to deal with those facts somehow. Even if you choose to ignore them, you still made a choice. And so we have to deal with those facts. But this, these, this is that moment when, when, when God reveals himself to you personally. It might be in little ways, right? And God does something to reveal himself. And you know that there's something more. You know there's something more. You've been going on in your life. You're in charge. You think everything's good. But there's something that doesn't sit right. There's still a hole that you can't fill. And you've tried to convince yourself that you can. You've tried to convince yourself that you can, can make it okay. You can do it all on your own. But when you really stop and think about it, deep down you know you can't save yourself. You know you can't make that right. You know that there's something more. You might convince yourself there's nothing after you die, but then you attend a funeral and you try and deal with those feelings. And you go, and there's, you know that there's something more. And that's what Pilate's going through. So Pilate's brought right back to the truth, and so at least he's willing to engage again. So Pilate enters into his headquarters again, verse 9, and says to Jesus, where are you from? Probably the most honest question he's asked yet. But Jesus gave him no answer. And so Pilate, I think, I think why, why did Jesus give him no answer? I think it's because he wanted to see the state of Pilate's heart for real. And Pilate reveals it right here. So Pilate said to him, you will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you or the authority to crucify you? No. And that, folks, is the essence of the sinful nature right there. Right? Pilate knows the truth that Jesus is innocent. He knows there's something more to this man. Jesus has said, I'm a king but of another kingdom. He said, I came to bear witness to the truth. Anybody who actually wants to know the truth will actually try and, he'll, they'll seek me, they'll, they'll try and understand, right? What are you going to do, Pilate? 
This is Pilate's opportunity, and this is what we come up against. This is the essence of sin nature. At some point, you're going to come against those facts of those that encounter when you encounter that truth, and you have to decide, you know, am, am, am I going to acknowledge, am I actually going to take the steps to pursue and actually seek who are you, Jesus, for real? Or you can knuckle down and go, no, I get to choose. I'm the authority. I determine what happens in my life. And Jesus said to him, you have no authority over me at all unless it has been given to you from above. You know, Pilate, you think you have all this authority. You're still thinking like the world, Pilate. You might feel like you have control over your life, but you can't save yourself, Pilate. There's a greater thing that I'm trying to give you. <laughs> and then Jesus says this, Therefore he deli- who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Why did Jesus add that part? I think because he's, he's pointing it to the fact that, yeah, Pilate, you might have authority here on earth, right? But you also have a responsibility. There's consequences for your actions. You know, that's what he's pointing out to Pilate. Pilate, you can point to the religious leaders. Yeah, but they're the ones that brought me to you. They're the ones that are accusing you. They're the ones that are doing all this. Jesus is going, yeah. And they're going to be responsible for those actions. They're going to be held responsible for what they did. But Pilate, you're going to be held responsible for the choices that you made. We're each responsible for our own decisions. And so often, that's the other thing we do. We try and we try and deflect or blame. We point to the past and, and what happened to us. We point to the situations in our life. But just like when we encounter truth, those things might be true, might be unfair. What's happened to you? But it doesn't change the truth of who Jesus is. doesn't change the truth that someday Philippians 2 10 11 that the name of Jesus every name knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father <clears throat> this is this is the fact that we can all this that we encounter we encounter the truth here on earth we have we have a responsibility and we're going to be, there's consequences. We're going to be held accountable for what, how, what we do, what we choose to do with the truth that God has revealed to us. And in the end, every single person is going to know the truth, right? Someday, every single person is going to stand before God and there's going to be no argument about who Jesus is. Pilate's not going to be able to use any of those bargaining chips He's going to stand before God and he's going to go, Jesus is going to go, this is who I am. This is what I tried to point you to. You can't deny it. Every tongue will confess who he is because that's the truth. On that day when we stand before God, it won't matter if you're a good person compared to other people. It won't matter if you called yourself a Christian or came to church or ate money. It won't matter if you came from a Christian home or if your parents are Christians. All that will matter is if you ever surrendered your life to Jesus. That you came to that point where you realized you can't save yourself. 
that you need to put your faith in Jesus to save you from the consequences of sin. That is the truth that we all must face. And so just a couple questions out of these last couple verses to leave us with. Verse 12, From then on, Pilate sought to release him. He knew the truth. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you're not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. Pilate's got a hard choice. Who's king? We have that same choice. Who's king? Who's king in your life? What are you going to make king? Who makes the decisions? Who are you going to follow? What determines what you do? Who's king? And if, if, he, if, if Pilate had chosen Jesus and acknowledged Jesus as king for real, you know, he probably would have lost his job. He might have been killed. You know, there's might be hard. You know, the Christian life can be hard. But who's our king? Verse 13, so when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement, and in Aramaic is Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour, and he said to the Jews, Behold your king. It's amazing. You know, Pilate, Pilate is willing. He walks out, he steps out into the Jews, and he's already said multiple times, I find no guilt in him. I don't and here he proclaims with his mouth, that Jesus is king. He says it out loud, but he doesn't act on it. He doesn't believe in his heart. He's not willing to submit to it, to surrender to it, to sacrifice himself for it. It's not enough just to say the words with our mouths. We need to believe it in our hearts. We need to actually surrender our lives to Jesus. You know, We actually need to make him king and lord. We need to live that way with him as king and lord. But they cried out, verse 15, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Oh, that's a scary line. <laughs> so he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to that place they called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. And there they crucified him and him with two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate wasn't willing to do it. Wasn't willing to stand for truth and do what he knew was right to release an innocent man. And... uh, all that he had encountered, all the opportunities he had to surrender to the truth. And he wasn't willing to do it. And so what do we do? I don't know what truth. If you're not a Christian here today, or maybe you've called yourself a Christian, and I don't know what God's saying to your heart. You know, this is about, one of the things that we saw in this is that, that's so interesting, is that the, the chief priest couldn't go in the house. This is a conversation between Pilate and Jesus. A one-on-one conversation. And that's what it comes down for each one of us. It's a one-on-one conversation, what you do with Jesus. 
What do you do with the person of Jesus, with everything that he's revealed to you, who he is? Maybe your step is that you need to seek. Maybe you're way back at the beginning. You're like Pilate and you're going, you just don't want to hear it. You're making the excuses. You're doing the bargaining thing. You're trying to push it away. And Jesus is saying, anybody who wants to know the truth will seek after me. And that's the first step. Seek and find the truth. If you seek me, you will find me, Jesus said. Or maybe you've had a relationship with Jesus and, and you believe these things to be true. But I don't know what God's saying to you, but God's saying something to your heart. And there's some area that he's asking you to surrender or to submit to or to change. And you've been making excuses. Whatever that truth is, it's between you and him. It's between you and Jesus. And so what do we do? Just thought of this verse from Acts. This will be the... I will close. Acts 2, 36 and 38. Let all the house of Israel... That's, this is from Peter's sermon. Peter's speaking to Israel there, but this is for everyone. Let everyone know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ. The Messiah, the Savior, and the Lord, the Master. Right? This Jesus whom you crucified. We have consequences for our sin. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent. That word means to turn. Whatever you've been holding on to and trying to control yourself, just like Pilate, I have the authority. Repent means to let go, to turn, to say, I'm going to let that go, I'm going to turn. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. That's the picture of new life. That's the public confession. That's the, I want everyone to know that he's my Lord, that I'm living for a different king. I'm not in charge of my life anymore. I want everyone to know that I am a Christian. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm submitted to him. If it's hard, if it's easy, whatever comes, that's not changing. He's my Lord and I'm following him no matter what. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Amen? And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then we look to live out that life. And he doesn't just leave us. He saves us. He washes us clean by no merit of our own. Nothing we could do to save ourselves. We've finally given that up. Jesus said on the cross, I did it all for you. We accept that by grace. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us to empower us to then go and to live out that life. What an amazing thing. He doesn't just leave us abandoned as orphans. He gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can actually, we can do this. We can follow him as he desires. And so we're going to sing a last song here. And I thought just to close, we'll, uh, um, I just want you to feel free. Whatever God's saying to your heart, I want you to take this time just between you and Jesus. All right? Take time to talk to him. Whatever he's saying to your heart, Okay, and you can, you can stay and sit and pray. You can stand and sing and let the worship express the feelings of your heart. Right? You can, if, if you've never made that commitment, if you want to do just like the repent and be baptized, that, that proclamation, you want everyone to know, you want to take a step today that says, this is going to be a milestone. I remember on that day, I went up and I made a public declaration that I'm going to follow him for the rest of my life. Maybe it's a recommitment. Maybe it's for the first time. Right? You can just come up to the front 
Bring somebody with you. There'll be someone here to pray with you if you'd like. Okay? But this is between you and Jesus. Do whatever you need to do to have this time with him. That's the point of that's why we come to church, isn't it? It's not just to tickle our ears. It's to meet with him. And, uh, and so we'll sing it through once. And uh, after that, after they've, the, they've sung it through once, um, if you want to slowly kind of, if you don't mind being a little bit quiet, head downstairs at that point. You can head down, get the kids, and enjoy some coffee hour, or stay here for as long as you need to. Pray with somebody. Talk with somebody. Um, but meet with Jesus today. I'm just going to pray before we start, if that's okay. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we want to want to know you more. We want to really know you as our Lord and Savior, Lord. And so I, I ask if there's anybody here that um, doesn't know that they're saved, they don't know you, they don't have assurance of their salvation, they don't know that you, that they, someday they will um, rise again and, and enter eternity because of what you did on the cross, Jesus, that, that Lord, you would just reveal to them, um, show them who you are, show them the grace that you offer, soften their heart, Lord, to let go and to accept what you're offering, God. doesn't matter the age, doesn't matter the background, doesn't matter what they've done, doesn't matter where they came from, Lord. Um, you offer salvation freely to all that would believe. And then, Lord, for the rest of us, Lord, we just want to be more like you, Jesus. We want to be used by you. We want to follow you. We want to, to walk and step with you. We want to be obedient to you, Lord. We've committed our lives to follow you. Help us to be obedient. Empower us, Holy Spirit. If there's anything you want to reveal to us, Lord, reveal to us in our hearts and give us the, the strength to respond in obedience, we pray. And then, Lord, we ask as we go into this Easter season that you would empower us to